Welcome to the Nebraska Athletic Podcast, Episode 5. Um, Jeremy Foote joined uh, once again by Brian Rosenthal. Um, so, Brian, we were hoping we'd talk about football this week. Unfortunately, we have no football game to talk about. <laughs> I don't think Well, we've... the good news is is we, we kind of inadvertently skipped last week's podcast for a variety of reasons, and I, I guess maybe that was an omen that there wouldn't be a game last weekend or something. I don't know. It just was kind so, of a weird... So you're saying it's our fault. It's probably our fault. We didn't have a podcast, so there wasn't a game. So we're making darn sure this week we have a podcast, right? Yes. All we right. will definitely play football now. So we will definitely play football. If people are mad... Don't kind of find my house. Don't blame me that we didn't play on Saturday against Akron. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I might know. as well. They blamed everybody else so far, <laughs> so we might as well join the crowd, right? Uh, let's see. Today, so we're going to cover football for what we can. Um, I know we have uh, some volleyball to talk about. Um, Hall of Fame, uh, Nebraska Athletic Department Hall of Fame announcement. Well, not really announcement, but the actual induction is happening. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. It's happening tomorrow afternoon, Friday. So we can talk about that a little bit. And then later you're going to have an interview with uh, Kenny Wilhite, who played against Colorado back in the uh, early 90s and is now a member of the uh, football staff. He's been here for, I think this is season five, I believe. That's correct. So uh, it'll be good to hear from Kenny, someone that actually played Back when uh, Nebraska and Colorado, this would have been back in the, um, you know, the, the heyday of when those teams were matching yeah. up every year on 93, Friday after yeah. after Thanksgiving. So, um, well, I guess we can talk get into football a little bit right away. Um, obviously, no game, but let's move on after that. Uh, coaches seemed really impressed with practice Monday and Tuesday. Said, you know, it was it was probably one of the best Monday and Tuesday practices they've seen from teams they've worked with, um, you know, leading in game weeks. Wednesday maybe saw a little bit of a dip, um, which maybe is expected after you have two such good days of practice. Um, What did you hear from coordinators and Coach Frost today about how they thought the team responded to what happened on Saturday? Yeah, Coach Frost was the coach to talk to the media today and just basically reiterated that how good Monday and Tuesday were. And Keep in mind, Nebraska didn't have a game on on Saturday, so obviously their bodies are going to be fresh. So when he says it's the best Monday practice, it's also probably the only Monday practice, well, except after a bye week, that they've had where they don't play a game. So I think that's to be expected, that their bodies would be fresh. But coming off a big disappointment like that, you don't know what their mindset will be like and their attitude and all those sorts of things. And it sounded like they responded outstanding in that regard and just really are focused and Scott Frost even used the word flawless to describe the walkthrough they had on Thursday so he says they're ready to play a game and particularly I think Adrian Martinez is ready to play a game he said that when he looked into his eyes last Saturday and obviously just a big disappointment for all and we don't need to get into all that again it's been rehashed and and everything this past week about the hows and the whys and the do's and the don'ts of the of the cancellation, and right now we don't know when or if a game will be played, but Bill Moose did talk yesterday to the media to confirm that they are looking at options. The bye week, which is October 27th, is an option. Another one is to play at the end of the season after the regular season is over. Against Akron, most likely, if neither Akron nor Nebraska is playing in its conference championship game. Um, and if one of, you know, if Akron is and Nebraska isn't, you know, Nebraska maybe go after could go after an FCS foe at that point. 
assuming the FCS foe doesn't have a, a full schedule and is not involved in their playoffs. So that's mm-hmm. the other thing to consider at the end of the season. So, but yeah, that's the big thing about that October 27th is just finding somebody who who doesn't have a full slate of games. And there's just not that many teams at either level out there who are or who are uh, not at full go as far as games right now. So. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is you, if you look on Twitter, any social media message boards, a lot of fans are like, hey, this this team, this team, this team, they're all they're all off on October 27th. Well, yeah, but you can't. They might be off, but they, they don't have an open exactly. slate. Exactly. You have to find a team that yeah. has an opening. And they already have 12 games. And, and you Bill can't Moose play more. even said the other day, you know, FCS teams are an option at that point as well, as long as they meet the certain requirements so that you can mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. use that victory towards bowl eligibility. So, um, yeah, we just want fans to know, I think, that the, I, I, I get the impression that both our administration and the football staff are very actively trying to get a, another game scheduled for this season. It's not just. And I, I don't think it's just because of. There. I don't think it's just because uh, uh, the question of bowl eligibility. Nebraska no. could be nine and zero come October twenty seventh or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, whatever the record is, and I think they still want to play a game because yes. they, they want to play a game. They owe it to the kids. They owe it mm-hmm. to the fans, and. You know, it's just what you do. Now, if worse comes to worse and they are bowl eligible and they just can't find one, then maybe they only play 11 games this year. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's just because of the bowl eligibility situation. That's that's obviously a key thing right here. We don't know what, what the record will be, and it might, it might come down to that. But regardless of that, I think they want to play a game because they want to play a game. Yeah, I don't I don't think that the bowl eligibility thing comes... I, I was just saying from an FCS standpoint yeah. that you want to play a team that if, if you do win the game, that it does count towards that. Yeah. And that it thing. would. People yep. have asked about that. We should probably explain that once... I think it's once every four years, mm-hmm. you can count an FCS win towards your bowl eligibility six wins. So, say Nebraska did that this year and finished uh six and six and their sixth win was against south carolina state a and t or whoever you know i'm making up names here but they can count that as an fcs win against or toward their bowl eligibility now next year there's no fcs teams but same same you know same situation happens they can't count it because Mm -hmm. they've already counted it this year they'd have to wait another three years before they could count an FCS vote, but Nebraska is not scheduling them in the foreseeable future. Uh, the Big Ten is trying to get away from that, and even at that, you would have to hope that within a couple of years, you're not worried about an FCS team counting towards your bowl eligibility. Yeah. Hopefully, you're winning eight, nine, ten, eleven games on your own. So, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's at the top. I mean, I'm sure it's a factor in the decision making process, yeah. but. I'm with you. I think the the reason why they're getting, trying to get the game rescheduled is for the fans and for the players. I mean, as I talked to someone the other day, guys don't come here to come here to practice, to come here to play games, and mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, if we can get a, a, a an extra game, especially specifically for uh, that senior class, I mean, it, this isn't baseball, basketball, where you're playing 30 games in basketball, 50 some games in yeah, baseball. These games you, are treasured. You have, they really you are. have 12 games, so um, missing one is that's that's a big chunk out of your schedule. Yeah, um, I don't know. And we should also mention that the issue or the tickets will be reissued for yes. the new game. So don't worry about the stubs or anything like that. Yeah. Season ticket holders or single, single game, game ticket buyers. holders, 
who bought their tickets to the athletic department, you will be issued a new ticket for whatever game there is. So, Correct. Um, yep. Keep there that there was some worry at first that people needed to keep keep their tickets from the actor yeah. game. They have to reuse them, all that stuff. Nothing to worry about that. Uh, new tickets will be will be released. All those details will be you know finalized and crystal clear whenever, hopefully, mm-hmm. whenever another game is is announced. Um, much else from football you want to go over? I don't. I don't know if there's much else. I mean, we rehashed. We went through fall camp for weeks, and I feel like we're kind of still in that mode. Still, just kind of in that mode. Uh, Adrian Martinez is still the starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and depth chart's not changed. Injuries are okay. Uh, they're just ready for a game. Well, yeah. I think we're all ready for a game. Two thirty on Saturday, ABC versus Colorado. So be there. We're here. We're there. It's just just so you're watching. Yes. Um, well, let's move over to um, a sport that is also in season right now that um, probably didn't start the year exactly the way wa- they wanted, and that would be the volleyball team. They started off with a loss to Florida, but then I think some of that was nerves, breaking in new players, um, packed house, and then since then they've reeled off four straight victories, um, went undefeated last week at the Emeritus Players Challenge. Um, this week, I know they have a pretty challenging schedule. They're going to Creighton. Actually, tonight, they'll be playing Creighton in Omaha at CenturyLink. Um, that game is on NET. And then Sunday, big day for them, they'll be hosting Iowa State and also retiring Sarah Pavin's jersey. Um, I think Coach Cooks, I mean, it's always, Sarah's always been known as one of the best best players in program history, and Coach Cook went on about that quite a bit on Monday. Um, where I, I guess, have you heard anything from Coach Cook this week on what he thinks of the of this week ahead? No, I, I think he pretty much covered it with with volleyball. Obviously, the Creighton match Thursday night will be at Century Link, or it's not called Century Link now. It's called oh, that's true. It's the C H I C H A Health Center yes. Center Center. Can we go back? <laughs> can we go back to Quest Center Omaha, maybe? That big arena in Omaha, yes. <laughs> down by the river, is hosting Nebraska versus Creighton. Point being that the place holds a lot of people, and there will be more than 11,000 people there, mm-hmm. or there will have already been by the time you hear this podcast, depending on when it's up and when you hear it. But, I, again, I just think that's a testament to the state of uh, volleyball in the state of Nebraska and how popular it is and, and how competitive and, and very, very good it is. So, And you mentioned Sarah Pavin. Uh, was a member of the national championship team in 2005. She played here from 2004 to 2007 and is a part of the University of Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame. Induction ceremony, 4.30 p.m. on Friday. It's the Outdoor Hall of Fame Plaza, weather permitting. It's open to the media and to the public. Come on over. And there are some uh, familiar names on this list. Uh, just, just one, not to interrupt. I, I believe you already interrupted me. So go ahead. They're <laughs> looking at moving that in with possibility of rain tomorrow. I was just, I was just getting there. Yeah. I believe we're going to be moving that inside to the okay. East East Stadium, Stadium Club Club Level yeah. Four. Yes. So weather permitting, but it's just right outside there. So if you happen yep. to show up and you don't see anybody outside, just go inside the stadium. It's yep. right there. And uh, in, in either case scenario, inside or outside, just be on the east side of Memorial Stadium, uh, 4.30 on Friday. And other inductees, uh, posthumously, will be Bob Devaney, his family members, son, daughter, grandsons, granddaughters, etc., will be on hand. 
on his behalf. Tom Osborne, he was a head football coach here. Heard, yeah. of, that, heard of that guy a few and times. And athletic director. Uh, our baseball coach, Darren Erstad, who is a baseball and football player here in the early mm-hmm. 90s. He is being inducted, as is Peaches James, uh, arguably the the best pitcher in Nebraska softball history. I would say that anyway. Uh, led Nebraska to the WCWS, and she played from 2001 to 2004. Heisman Trophy winner, Mike Rogier. He won it in 1983. And Tom Schlesinger from Men's Gymnastics participated from 1985 to 1988. And those are your inductees into the University of Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame. And if you're scratching your head and saying, why aren't Bob Devania and Tom Osborne already in this? Well, this is a very new, um, this is not an just football Hall of Fame, which we have one of those. Uh, this is relatively new, um, still getting a lot of the names that we need to get in there. So that's what we're doing with this. It's the All Athletics Hall of Fame. And Nebraska has not had one of those until uh, just recently. I want to say that this is year four. I have to double check on that. I don't know the exact year, so uh, so over the next few years, you'll be seeing some some very familiar names across all sports, and uh, I believe they limit it to so many per year. So by the time, say the next ten years are up, we'll have a, a lot of the names that need to be in there that aren't in there, and will be in there. So again, the list for this year: Bob Devaney, Tom Osborne, Darren Erstad, Peaches James, Sarah Pavin, Mike Rogier and Tom Schlesinger. So congratulations, um, all of the living participants will be, inductees will be on hand, again, 4.30 on Friday on the east side of Memorial Stadium, and then later on there's a, a private reception and dinner uh, downtown for the inductees and their families and friends and etc. So that is on Friday, and then football game on Saturday. So yes, and just to confirm, this is the fourth year. The, the, fourth the year. first year was uh, 2015. I believe that year they inducted. Yeah, who were the inductees for the first one? So the, the first one, I believe they inducted one person from every sport. And so I'll run down the list here. Uh, Steve, so they stuck with athletes for the first one. Yes, okay. correct. Okay. Um, and actually, as I'm scrolling through the list here, I may have to double check. I believe this may be the first year that we've done coaches. Yeah, that's that and hence Bob Devaney, Tom Osborne mm-hmm. would be on the first the first coaches that would make it into it. So so, so, so here to four it's been for athletes only. So correct. the first year that we've had coaches in it, Devaney and Osborne. So. And so year one was Steve Friesen, men's golf, Alex Gordon, baseball, mm-hmm. Charlie Green, track and field, Jim Hartung, men's gymnastics, Penny Haynes, uh, women's swimming and diving. Karen Jennings, women's basketball, Steve Young, uh, men's tennis, Joe Kirby, men's cross country, Christine Latham, soccer, women's soccer, um, Liz Mooney, women's tennis, Eric Pajkowski, men's basketball, Adam Pine, men's swimming and diving, um, Shannon Plokowski, bowling, mm-hmm. Merlene Adi, women's track and field, Dave Remington, football, Sarah Sassy, women's golf, Bill Shear, wrestling, uh, Rochelle Simpson, women's gymnastics, Lori Sippel, softball, uh, Fran Tenbensel, uh, women's cross country, um, Allison Weston, volleyball, and Amanda Trillo, rifle. So the the first for the so for the first group, one athlete was inducted for every sport. Yeah, 
and then they've been much much smaller classes since. I believe every class since has been roughly six to eight former student athletes. Okay. And Jeremy, here in a little bit, uh, we'll be talking, or I'll be talking with Kenny Wilhite mm-hmm. about the Nebraska Colorado series. He played it, as you mentioned, in the uh, early 2000s, excuse me, the early 1990s. Uh, back when Nebraska and Colorado, the series was really, really getting heated, and he'll be really good in talking about playing in that series and kind of how they viewed that Colorado game. And a lot of those feelings and emotions are picking up again this year, but I don't know. What's your biggest memory of a Nebraska-Colorado football game? That's a good question. I was Whether actually... a particular game or moment or uh-huh. series or something? Well, probably since I worked... That, that's kind of the weird thing is, I mean, I'm trying to think of them both as a fan and as a um, employee. I'm, a, I'm roughly about, I think, my 11th year working here. I do specifically remember uh, my wife and I were looking at what we're watching the news last night and they had the highlight um, from the game where uh, Sue had the pick six and Alex Henry had the field goal. Mm-hmm. And I, I distinctly remember I'm standing in the northeast side of the field, maybe around like the 20 yard line. It's myself, Keith Mann, who's our um, head of our communication communications department works with the football team. So this would have been down towards the end of the game because Keith doesn't usually come down until close to the end of the game. And then Michael Stevens, who used to be the head of our uh, marketing area, and now he's he works at Ohio. Um, we're all standing there. We're watching Alex. Kicks the ball. Magically makes it over <laughs> through the upright. And I think we all like had this like group hug of, holy crap, that just happened. <laughs> um, so I distinctly remember that. Um, I have never been to a game at Folsom Field. Oh, wow, you're missing out. Um, I've been there when I worked with the volleyball team, took a visit there. But, um, I mean, I have some bad memories. I remember, obviously, I wasn't at the game at uh, the year that didn't go so well. I remember the next year when we had the Order Restore t-shirts. That was that was. That was nice. Uh, yeah, I think no, that was four years later. Four years that later. Was in 2005. See, once you get yeah. past like five that years, everything Callahan. mixes together. Yeah, they do, they do kind of all blend in. But yeah, but. I think I would say the year that we were just talking about with Dominican Sue had the pick six, had the mm-hmm. stiff arm at the goal line, and then yeah. spiked the ball into the fence, and then just obviously tossed him away like a gnat, like he was just like a pest, just yeah, get out of my way. Alex yeah. Henry made a field goal from like 80 yards away. Yeah. So what about, what about you? You 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 have a little longer memory than I do, well, I think. Well, I've, I've been to the Folsom Field, and I I know a lot of people have nightmare stories about how they're treated and such with the fans. And, you know, as a member of the media, I don't experience that in the stands or tailgating or any of that. So I'm speaking just from a pure stadium standpoint. I think it's a beautiful place to watch a football game with the, the flat irons in the background and just the scenery and – it's a very intimate setting. It's not a very big stadium, but it's a loud stadium, and I, I really enjoy going there. I've I've enjoyed my trips to Folsom Field. Again, I've not been in the fan capacity, sitting in the stands, and unfortunately, you hear some stories with that. But we'll we'll focus on the positive of going out there next year, and it'll be in September, so the weather should be beautiful. Um, some of those games in in November, the day after Thanksgiving, and in, in Folsom Field have been really bitter cold and. Even the 91 game, uh, when they tied, you know, that wasn't a, a late season game. It was, I don't know what time of year it was, but it certainly wasn't the, the Saturday after or the Friday after Thanksgiving, and it was still like 12 degrees. So the weather can be, uh, I guess, whatever. But for September next year, I think we'll be all right weather-wise. As, as far as the game, I remember, you know, gosh, they all are 
were all great, but I, I still go back to that. The 92 game here in Lincoln, 52 to 7, it just, the, the pure passion and energy, you know, Nebraska had lost uh, the last time they played at home. They were coming off a tie, actually a three-year streak where they didn't beat Colorado and uh, Colorado media, players. I mean, they're all just kind of like really getting under Nebraska fans' skin. And there was just a lot of pent-up energy in that game, and it just it just came all out at once from players and from the fans and just from beginning to end. They did not let up, and, and 52-7 to seven against two teams that entered the game with the exact same ranking, which I think that was the first time that had happened, at least among top 10 teams maybe. I'm not for sure, but I believe Nebraska and Colorado are both eighth in that game. And the next week, Nebraska does the same thing to Kansas, who was uh, – I don't know if Kansas was ranked that year or not, but they had a, they had a good team that was in the Glenn Mason years when, when Kansas kind of had an upswing and had a really good team, and Nebraska waxed them like – 45 to 7 or something like that. Things are looking great. And then they lose at Iowa State 19 to 10 the following week. <laughs> so that was the end of that feel good feel good series, but uh, of course Nebraska still won the the Big 8 that year and went to the Orange Bowl, but uh yeah, that 92 game is the one that I think I'll be on my top memory list. For unfortunately around that time frame my my uh Experiences with Nebraska football came through a television set. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, my earliest memory of watching a football game was uh, some year we played Pacific, and mm. Calvin Jones scored. Well, he didn't score ten touchdowns, but I think he scored five, maybe, and it ended up seventy something to the very little. Um, yeah. But that's my earliest Nebraska football memory. It would. Not that it's easy to get tickets now, but it was really hard back then. I mean, mm, yeah. obviously less expansion, and the team was always, yeah. I mean, one of the top five teams in the country. So um, kind of what I've just been thinking about as you're talking, obviously you get a different perspective. As you said, you're sitting usually in the press box. What's what's your favorite football venue? doesn't have to be a conference, conference venue, but what, what's your favorite college venue that you've been to? covering the team so not including bowl games or neutral site yeah it's I, I pick some of the weirdest state I like Northwestern I, I think it's a great collegiate feel the stadium I'm not talking about amenities or anything like that I'm just talking collegiate football intimate feel I think Northwestern and its surroundings and everything I, I think it's a great venue to to watch a college football game it kind of reminds me of, of Kansas and you know, Kansas Memorial Stadium isn't all that great, but it's a it's in a very picturesque part of Lawrence. It's just the perfect size of stadium to me. I, I just like kind of like those smaller, intimate type feel stadiums when they're full, and the tailgating's great, and you have the the collegiate scene in the background, the fall trees, the fall leaves, and the fraternities, and all the tailgating, walking to the stadium. I I just think those kinds of uh, those kinds of uh, settings are really cool. Um, Texas A&M, I really enjoy going to that stadium. That's a, obviously a bigger stadium. If you want to get to the bigger stadiums, I would say the Texas A&M is probably uh, one of my favorite ones up there. But um, I guess there, there comes a point where stadiums can get so big, like at Penn State and Ohio State. It's just 
it almost kind of kind of loses a little bit of its luster because there's so much there that I just kind of go for the uh, smaller, more intimate feel stadiums. I guess I, I just kind of like them. Yeah, and I was I was thinking about this, and I might actually go the exact opposite of what you're saying. I was really one thing I I will say is I was really excited to go to the Coliseum in Los Angeles the year Nebraska and USC played, and I felt very. Um, let down by that. Yeah, that was I, not good. <laughs> that was not 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 just the game itself, but also no, the venue the was. Yeah, it's not in a good part. I mean, of you town. can you can it's see rundown stadium. It's, it's very rundown. I mean, it. You can see it's somebody. I guess really wants to talk to me. You can just uh, pick that up and set it down. Um, one one stadium that kind of on the opposite. I was really excited to go to the big house. I was a little underwhelmed as you're pointing up to it as. I think if other people that have been there would notice when you pull up, the, the stadium actually is way down the ground. So when you pull up on the side, it'd be like if you came to mm-hmm. Memorial Stadium and you pulled up on the west side and the street was at like level six or seven. You come in, you're like, really? This this, this isn't that big? Well, then once you get into it, it's, it's a whole lot different. Um, I think the last game I was there, though, turned into a night game. Um, if I'm thinking correctly, uh, Amir and Tommy, the last one I can remember going to there was the was the one we won with. Um, Tommy rolls out to the left, pitches it to Amir, he makes it to the corner to score the, I think, the go-ahead touchdown late in the game. Um, That's probably one of my favorite. Well, it was a great game to be at, but also um, you see a lot of games from there growing up. So I had a really good time going there. I obviously have not been as on as many trips as you have over over your time, so. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's kind of a that's a cliche one to go with, but I also have always always appreciated to Oklahoma State and also Kansas State. Yeah, those are smaller stadiums too. When I say the smaller stadiums, I like them when they're full. I don't I don't want the I'm not talking about the twenty thousand in a fifty thousand seat stadium. I mean, I want the stadium full, but when you have a smaller intimate place like that full, I just think they can be really cool places. So. And Boulder, next year will be one of those because mm-hmm. it sees like fifty some thousand, and it's another intimate setting. But uh, first, the Buffaloes come here this weekend, and uh, I think we'll go ahead and get into an interview with uh, with Kenny and uh, Kenny Wilhite and talk to him uh, about the Colorado series and uh, about how the team's looking in general. This is Brian Rosenthal with Huskers.com on the Nebraska Athletic Department podcast uh, this week. We are talking a lot about Nebraska, Colorado, and that means talking about the the history of Nebraska, Colorado. And with us now, we have somebody from the Nebraska coaching staff who played against Colorado in the early 1990s when the series really started to fester. Uh, Kenny Wilhite is in his fifth season on the Nebraska football staff. He is now director of high school relations. Kenny, you played in this series. Back in the early 1990s, defensive back, and what is it you remember specifically about playing Colorado, and was there any specific year that you really remember about playing Colorado? Well, the the 1990 year was the first year I was here. I was a scout team player. Um, A lot of people don't know this, but I got shot this summer leading into me reporting. So I redshirted that year, and then leading up to Colorado, I was the uh, scout team quarterback. So I had to uh, mimic Darren Hagan, uh, 1990 year. And, uh, so it was a great week of practice. Uh, I thought I did a good job of showing those guys you know, exactly what, what Hagan would do. And They came in here and uh, actually came back to beat us in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. did a little dancing on our field. Um, we took uh, took offense to that. And then 91, we went to uh, Colorado up there. It was 
sunny and, and 35, and then second half it was cold and rainy and, and snowing, and uh, their fans just calling us all kind of fanities, throwing snowballs at us. So that was a tie game. And then I know our senior year, we, we wanted that to end. So um, going into that week, after the week the prior to that, we played Missouri, and they kind of threw the ball all over the yard on us. And then uh, leading up to Colorado, who was an option-based team, the year before, going to a spread offense, throwing the ball with with Corey Detmer and Cordell Stewart, we took we took pride in, in practice that week. I know Coach McBride was, was on us hard that week, and just the, the speech before that game. Um, I know we were in we were in South Stadium. Mm-hmm. You could either take the elevator, go down the back stairs, and we all ran down those back stairs with cleats on, and, and it, it was it, he had us ready to go. That was the 90, 92, 92 game we're talking game. about. Yes. That was the one Nebraska won, 52-7, to seven, Halloween night. Some call it the Halloween massacre. I mean, it was a – I believe both teams were ranked number eight yes. in the nation. Yes. And it was for the Big 8 title at that time. It was two teams competing for it. And it just – from beginning to end, you could see the emotion not just in the players but in the fans too. Could you sense that in the, in the stadium that night? Yes. Uh, kudos to the fans that night. I mean, that was probably the loudest, you know, it's been in that stadium. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of stuff being said in the media leading up to that game. I know Coach Osborne, you know, asked the fans and the, and the crowd to, to help us out. And from from first kickoff to the end of the game, they were in it. They were screaming. Even in the rain, mm-hmm. um, the cold, they were on their feet. And we fed off that. And I tell you, our big boys up front defensively, Trevor Alberts, Travis Hill, may he rest in peace, John Perella, they were getting after it now. And we fed off them. So, Yeah. What were other memories, maybe in some of those previous Colorado games that you had? You mentioned the 1991 tie, 1919, cold weather, people throwing things. What do you remember specifically about that game? Anything? Not, not really. I know it was a hard, hard fart game. Um, both teams, you know, gave it their all. You know, just to watch. Uh, I think it was Chris Hudson get off the get off the turf and block that field goal. Yeah. You know, Byron Bennett's field goal. It was, it was. You know, back then it was a tie. You couldn't play in overtime. So, mm-hmm. again, that was that was that was. I think that was it. Yeah. That's when we said we had enough. You know, enough of this rivalry stuff. Enough of this. Yeah. You know, feeding it to the media. Just go out and play Nebraska football and take care of itself. And it's it's kind of brought up again this week and the whole topic of rivalry and is it or isn't. And I know a lot of people who grew up with Nebraska football, like myself, Oklahoma was and probably still is considered the big rivalry. What did you think about, you know, when, when Bill McCartney came to Colorado and, and kind of declared it the red-letter game from Colorado and, and tried to force this into a rivalry? Now, whether you want to call it that or not, some good games resulted as of that. But what did the players and, and coaches think of that at that time from I mean, Nebraska? I, like I said, we, we didn't think Colorado was a rivalry game. Yeah. You know, even growing up, I always watched the Oklahoma-Nebraska game. Uh, so when I became a player here, yeah. it was always Oklahoma. Like I said, their coach created that that rivalry, that myth. Um, their their team fed off of it. You know, they got a win in '90, and then I think after that '91 game, it's it's been been mostly Nebraska with the, with the W. So again, I don't feed into that. I don't look at the paper and read the paper. They can say what they want. It's a, it's just another game to line up, play football. Um, you got to go out and have fun and compete. Colorado had some of its best teams when Nebraska had some of its best teams, too. Had had Tom Osborne and the Big Red Machine in 94, 95, 97 not existed. Colorado may have done a lot more in the Big uh, in the big 8 at that time and then going over into the Big 12. But 
Nebraska just had some awesome teams. The sixty to sixteen three record in that in that time span. I mean, that was that was amazing. The record speaks for itself. You said yeah. sixteen three. So, um, and that's kudos to our coaching staff. You yeah. know, the guys that came before me that taught me the black shirt way, and the guys that came after me. Hopefully, we taught them the black shirt way. The mentality after ninety two game, you, you knew after ninety two that you were far far better than mm-hmm. Colorado. You know, they had good teams, they had good players, but if, like Coach Osborne said, if you go out there and you handle your business, it'll, it'll take care of itself. And Coach Frost now, and, and talking to the media today, he's not looking at Colorado as a rivalry game either. Every game on the schedule he's looking at as the exact same way. Is that part of his even keel approach to this whole thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's part of the, the whole staff, and I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you take one game at a time. You don't think of them as rivalry games. You just take one game at a time, one week to week, practice and preparation. How fitting is it, though, that the Scott Frost era begins against a former conference foe like this, though, whether it's Colorado or Oklahoma or Kansas State or whatever? Uh, like you said, he's an even-kill guy. He, he yeah. doesn't show emotions in, until, until the ball is snapped. So uh, I think our players will feed off that and, and go from there. Yeah, but you grin, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This team's ready for a game, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's been a long six, seven months. Man, um, right? It's about time to line up against against a different color uniform and see what we got. What have you seen th- from the team throughout fall camp? And I, I know you're not an assistant coach, actually, but you're around the team a lot. What have you seen from them as far as improvement from the first day of fall camp until where we are right now? I just think that the level of focus has been there. Um, um, instilling the confidence and the toughness. Those The guys are trying. They're trying to do it, do all the right things. More guys are watching film, studying, and just mostly having fun. It's been three years since I've seen a lot of these guys smile around here and, and myself smile. So, yeah. We're visiting with uh, Kenny Wilhite, a former black shirt, played in the Nebraska-Colorado series in the early 90s. I'm the Nebraska football staff now uh, as director of high school relations. Kenny, what do you do exactly with that job? Can you kind of explain to the fans a little bit about what you do in this new role that you have? Uh, well, basically, it's uh, I, I communicate with all the in-state high school coaches uh, and the surrounding state coaches um, through the in-state walk-on program. Just try to identify, you know, in-state talent and get them to our coaches. Now, obviously, you are one of the holdovers from the previous staff. There's not a lot of those people around. Did, did you meet with Coach Frost when he came here about maintaining your position, or did, did he want you on staff as a former black shirt? Or? Uh, it's an interview process, yeah. Um, yeah. of course. Um, I knew Scott previously, but not as, as well as I, I should have as being a, f- a former player. Um, but I'm fortunate enough that he kept me on. I mean, this is home for me. I love being here. Just giving back to the university that gave to me. What do former players think with, with Coach Frost back? I remember the day that he was hired. He had so many former players come here, surprise him in the weight room. What's it mean as a former player to have somebody like that have a reconnection with so many former Nebraska football players? Um, it means a lot. I mean, before him, um, my phone would ring off the hook. You know, you, you want to get together with your former teammates. I don't know if it was as welcome as it, as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Scott wants. And we always say brotherhood, and, and he means it. So he wants former players around, watching practice, just hanging out. Kenny, are you excited for this game on, on Saturday, whether it's Colorado or Colorado School of Mines, <laughs> just to get a game underway here now? I'm excited for any game. We yeah. can go play, like you said, Colorado School of Mines. 
NEO, anybody. Just want to play a game, see what we got. What do you have? We'll see you on Saturday. We'll see you on Saturday, huh? Okay. Kenny, thanks for your time. Thank you. It was very nice of you to join us. Kenny Wilhite, Nebraska football staff uh, member, director of high school relations, joining us here on the Nebraska football, this week football, Nebraska Athletic Department podcast.